right. Good Monday morning, everyone. It has been an adventurous Monday with us in technology. Something about craziness, but it is, you know, October 18th. It is halfway through October, you know, the Texas fall, like I said, you know, we don't really have that, but it's less than 100. But you guys, I am excited for today's conversation because one of my favorite authors is on, she's been featured in Book Lovers Delight twice. October was her Twisted Reverie series. I'm excited to have Meg on for you guys. You know, author talk here with Amy Bird and our lovely guest is Meg. So you guys, hey, how was everybody's weekend or, you know, month? How's it going? Good. This is my favorite month of the year, obviously. Obviously, yes. <laughs> it's beautiful here in Minnesota. We have all the changing colors, and um, I'm just I'm ready for Halloween. Let's go! And I, I, I hear, coming month, yeah, so. I hear that I hear that there's this thing called seasons changing. That yeah, no, I was going to say that, you have seasons. Yes, we don't know what that's like. We we yeah. just don't. <laughs> it's it's pretty exciting I recently um I was at an event called Catalyst which was this uh TV festival and there were people from LA and they were in full hats and vests puffy vests and coats and everything and all every local person in Duluth was like in shorts so it's it's kind of funny <laughs> so they look with like, all relatives yeah. so they looked like us Texans up north you know exactly. when it's like you know yeah. 65 we're like this, oh. this is a beautiful day why are they acting like it's winter <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness you know that's just how it is you know down here in Texas I see people it'll be like 65 outside you know which isn't terrible you know down here it's <laughs> It's not bad, but you, yeah. we got our scarves out, our big jacket, our knee-high boots, because that's the yes. that's our winter. So that's the that's only time right. we get to bust those things out. Because other than that's that, right. we're just in shorts and a tank top or mm -hmm. a bathing suit top, because it's just hot <laughs> as hell here, like the whole time. So, it sounds like you had like an extra hot summer. Am I wrong? Well, no, I mean, I guess I mean, like we that. also had that like freeze too, where we lost power. So we went from extra oh. hot to cold to hot again. So we just, we don't know the difference. Honestly, I don't. Texas <laughs> just is a hot mess. Texas, Texas is bipolar. <laughs> the bipolar state. I mean, you know, because, yeah. you know, you have those days, seriously, where you have your summer clothes underneath. And you put on your, your fall sweater yes. for like an hour and then, <laughs> and then the cold leaves and you're back to 80. So you have to undress and peel yourself off yeah. to like, you know, mm -hmm. be in the appropriate clothing for the moment that you, you're in. Yeah. Laundry down here is awful when it's winter, <laughs> fall, because we really wear like three outfits a day. You know, you have your fall cute little outfit. And then by the end of the day, you're in flip-flop short and a tank top. You know, it's just laundry sucks down here. It's just, oh, and my, my 10 year old this morning, he, I was sending him out to the bus and it was 55 degrees. And he said, why is it so hot? Oh my goodness. He does not know what he is. Oh my gosh. He does not know. Come to Texas. Okay. You will yeah. learn what hot is. Or go to Houston where it's hot and humid. That's and that's right. just like a hundred feels like 150. Okay. Like <laughs> at least a dry heat. You feel like you're in an oven, you know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I don't mind being hot. Cause I can always cool down, you know, but if I'm cold, I can't always warm up. I ain't got my heated blanket or my heating pad or something hot. I can't always get warm. So I just have mm. uber, uber thin blood or whatever. <laughs> it's like, ah, no. 
But I know that you have two books coming out this month. So yes. I am very excited about that. So with all that being said, take it away first. Well, I just wanted to talk a little bit about your science of serial killers first, because, oh my God, I mean, I have a fixation with serial killers. I will admit that. <laughs> I, love, all. I love Criminal Minds. I mean, that's like my all-time favorite show. So, okay, share with us like the, the coolest or most interesting thing that you discovered as you were researching for this book. Oh, Wow. Well, first of all, it's coming out tomorrow, so I'm very excited about that, and um, it is um, a book that we really wanted to write a different kind of serial killer book. We didn't want to write the same thing that, you know, has been done a million times, so we really wanted to come at things from sort of different angles, and uh, one of the things that I learned about um, that I talk about in the book is this uh, environmental factor of lead and that um, there seems to be correlation and causation of um, lead in our environment causing violent crime. Because right now, serial killing is down 85% in the last three decades. Um, and, and so is violent crime uh, down. And this, this idea that, that, uh, psychologically it could have something wrong with you but then it can be exacerbated by the environment um and that would explain perhaps why there was a rise in serial killers um in the 70s uh, because they were growing up in the 50s when they kids were absorbing lead i thought was fascinating and so i go into a big sort of case history um and it certainly you know is isn't necessarily proof positive but it was a really kind of cool concept to kind of step outside of the psychology and look at sort of environmental scientific factors. So stuff like that. Um, I love kind of going down those rabbit holes and just like reading articles and researching. I'm a nerd. I like that stuff. So it's really fun. <laughs> well, that is certainly interesting. I have never, I had never heard of the lead, you know, lead elements being a factor so, mm -hmm. I mean, have there been studies? Have they, have they like looked at, um, you know, the blood, yeah. or whatever content of, mm -hmm. of people? Well, you know, children growing up and obviously there's a big caveat here. Most people growing up in the forties and fifties didn't become serial killers. Right. Um, but um, there people who were children at that time, their lead levels in their blood are going to be much higher. Um and there seems to be, um, and, and lead affects children the most. Um, and at that time, you know, scientists were trying to tell people, hey, this is bad. Let's not have this in our gas. Let's not have this, you know, in our paint, et cetera. Um, and it took a lot of studies to sort of find out and realize that um, it is bad for us. Um, and it, it does affect the brain and there are brain scans. Um, and then there's an interesting um, study in Jamaica which had led longer than we did in their environment and their violent crime um, is on sort of the same trajectory as ours, but later. So theirs kind of follows the same pattern of the highest lead is the highest, highest violent crime. Um, so it's just an interesting thing. You know, it doesn't necessarily explain anything. And like I said, you know, the majority of people growing up didn't become serial killers, but 
when we take that sort of psychology and the things that sort of, you know, we can kind of point to like severe abuse and things like that, that turn people into serial killers and add that environmental um, element. It's just, it's a fascinating conversation. And it's something that, you know, I, I, I love learning about that stuff. Like I said. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's really cool. The, the, the idea is, I mean, because I remember um, there was huge conversation with my parents because my grandmother had a set of little lead soldiers, you know, that she, you know, that had been made ages before. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I remember my mom just like not letting us play with them and keeping them, you know, sort of as a memento and Mm -hmm. something, you know, kind of in the curio box versus, you know, something actually a toy. And, and it's, it's fascinating. This concept, I could have grown up to be a, a serial killer. That would have been. Yeah. Right. You could have just licked it. And then you, you could have had the, the soldier in your mouth and then you could be killing people. So I it's that it. simple. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I'm creative <laughs> enough to come up with some fun ways to kill people. I'm just right. Saying. I mean, it's you're already happen. on the border there. So. <laughs> I was on that edge, Meg. I was on that edge. <laughs> that is so cool. Um, I love that you are taking it to a different a different area, you know, looking at environmental factors, not just the psychological, because I think everybody does. You're right. Focus on like wh- how, what kind of psychological thing causes someone to do this. But there are, it makes sense that there would be a, a an environmental element there. Um, as much as logical. I mean, it could be, and it's interesting. And of course, you know, in the book, you can kind of look at the statistics and things like that, but, you know, and also in this book, um, I think one of my favorite things I got to do was interview a retired FBI agent Mm. and um, just hearing his perspective on things. He worked the Jeffrey Dahmer case and Mm. um, you know, that was absolutely one of like a highlight of my life, just talking to him because Um, I really got to sort of ask him about his own sort of personal experience um, talking to somebody like that, but also, um, you know, sort of the, the impact that these things have on him and, you know, how he sort of got through dealing with this stuff on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, that was an interesting interview. And then we also interview somebody who um, portrayed Richard Ramirez in American Horror Story. And so we get all these different perspectives and that's what we want to do, you know, is we want to like talk sort of different and not just list like, and then he did this and then he killed this person. And then, you know, we really wanted to look at things from different angles and be very victim focused too, which was something important to us. Um, because our big thing is we don't want to put serial killers on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. They're all jerks. They're all terrible people. You know, they're not smarter than us. They're not clever. Um, and we, we want to be, you know, very, um, outspoken about that because, um, we don't want anybody thinking, you know, that it's cool to put Ted Bundy on the same pedestal that you put someone fictional, like Candyman or somebody, you know, it's, it's okay to like a fictional, uh, killer and, and like here, I've got my little, my little Candyman, um, and see, it's okay to have, it's okay to have that, but we just don't want to treat real serial killers, um, with the same, um, you know, feelings. So that was something that Kelly, uh, my co-author and I made sure to do in this book. 
Yes, I think, and I think it's very interesting that you mentioned that because um, I know that serial killers do have fans. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people who um, are fans. I know that they like sometimes get fan mail. Yeah. And yeah, and and it's kind of an interesting, you know, you got almost, you want to wonder what makes someone decide to have like a, a real serial killer, someone who actually did cause serious harm to others, you know, in that kind of a, you know, like, I mean, I would write to Keanu Reeves. I mean, you know, <laughs> yes. well, who yes, who would yes. not? Oh yes. my gosh. But, yes. but like, you know, Ted Bundy, no, I mean, why would right. I want to, you know, correspond yeah. with him? And yet, right. there are, you know, I don't know if you had any, any uh, opportunity to look at kind of that angle as well of like the the people who get fixated on these beings yeah we did we um we do a little research on um women in particular um and there's i can't remember the term i escaped my brain but it's an actual like phenomenon of of women who are attracted to these men and who you know um danny rolling is an example he was the gainesville ripper and a very educated you know, well-spoken um, person of society married him while he was in prison and he had done unspeakable things, you know? And so what, what is that, um, that, you know, women in particular seem to be attracted to these bad boys, so to speak, but it's on a whole other level. And then there's this also, I, this idea that we go into of people collecting um, uh, serial killer items. Um, you know, there are several museums where you can actually like, you know, see, you know, Ted Bundy's hat or something or a weapon. Um, and people also have their own home, um, you know, uh, items at home that are serial killer related. And, you know, what, what drives people to do that opposed to, you know, I mean, most women that I've talked to have some interest in true crime. Um, mm-hmm. there's, to be some, at least, you know, whether you watch Criminal Minds or you watch the ID channel or you've read an Anne Rule book, you know, there's all these varying degrees, but it, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and I mean, we could probably write five more books <laughs> on just serial killers alone, but um, it was, it was a really neat experience. And um, I, Kelly and I say it's probably the toughest book we've written because the other ones kind of focus more on fiction, um, you know, on Dracula and Frankenstein's monster and all that. So we were walking kind of a fine line here, but um, we're, we're really happy with the end product, so. I think it's a really great book to follow up the Science of Stephen King book with because definitely took it in a whole, took the series in a whole other direction. How yeah. many people are there in this series now? So this one coming out tomorrow is the fourth and then next October is our fifth, uh, which is the Science of Witchcraft, which Ooh. we're having a lot of fun with. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. awesome. Yeah, yeah. And it's such a it's such an interesting topic, witchcraft, in the sense that, you know, there's so many women who have been killed. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. For witchcraft. You right. know. And, so it's a, it's going to be, oh, I'm looking forward to that hey, one. Oh my goodness. I'm just going to mark my, my October now for, I know, know now right? for the foreseeable future as just Meg Hoffdown month. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's just be real. I mean, cause you have, you know, your serial killer nonfiction book, but you also have the third book in your Twisted Reverie series coming out. And so 
I am a, I'm just a huge fan. I love like horror and all of those. Those are my kind of books. And so I am, I'm just excited to hear about that. So yeah. tell us all about but, Twisted Reveries 3. Yeah. So how, so what, um, I know that you kind of went back and forth on what you were going to write about for this third collection of short stories. Um, how did you finally decide to, to pick the collection that you did? So I love, first of all, I love the short story form. So writing more short stories uh, was a given. And I really have always loved how short stories, um, especially horror, I think horror just inherently lends itself to having a little bit of, I don't want to say social commentary because that sounds very heavy, but I think that you can say things within horror and sci-fi and, and things like that um, without beating people over the head with it. And I felt um, as, you know, a feminist and somebody who likes to um, sort of explore feminism, I felt like the the antique idea or the older stories would be a fun way to sort of explore all these different women, all these different time periods and what it's like being a woman in that time period. Um, obviously we're all aware what it's like being a woman in 2021, um, but something that I've gotten to do um, through my research, like science of witchcraft and serial killers and all that is um, I've gotten to sort of learn about women from different time periods. And um, I thought it was a fun challenge. I liked to do a little historical research. And so all my stories um, in this collection take place like World War II or before. And uh, it was just, it was a fun challenge. And I hope that, you know, it resonates with people and I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, so I love, I mean, I, I love the, the Tales of the Macabre, which was the first one. Um, and then of course you followed it up with Willoughby, which led to your novels. And I think you are the master of the short story, my oh. friend. I mean, your short stories are exciting. You jump right in and then you're scared to death for these unfortunate females and you, know, <laughs> and you discover, and I think you're very right about the, the genre lending itself. And especially because all of your heroes are women, you know, um, do you have a lot of research that goes into like exploring, you know, what drives women sometimes towards violent crime or things like that? Because I mean, there aren't that many female serial killers, yeah. um, you know, so what, what might be some of the, the research that you've done in that, in that area of like, you know, women in, in suspense and horror, not just victims. Yeah. Okay. Right. Exactly. You know, um, Anybody who knows my writing knows that I have a fixation on Lizzie Borden. And I, when I found out who Lizzie Borden, one, Borden was when I was eight, the reason it was such a profound moment for me is because I didn't realize the girls could kill people. I thought they could only be the victims. <laughs> and um, the fact that she was holding the ax, you know, or so to speak, I guess she was found innocent. But the the fact that she, she was murdering people, she wasn't the one in the slasher movie running away. I was like, wow that's actually really cool. And I think, you know, that's, I've been fixated on that for so long. And through the science books that I've written, I've learned kind of why women kill versus why men kill. And a lot of it has to do with security, finances. Um, a lot of women ended up killing like 
Belle Gunnis as an example, um, to, you know, keep her farm afloat. And that, that's not an excuse. She, she was a, a person killing people. It's not okay. Um, but men tend to kill for different reasons for power. There's obviously a sexual element, et cetera, but, uh, women tend to kill because a lot of times because of the situation that they're in, you know, if you think of like Eileen Wernos, um, who was a sex worker and, and was, um, killing men again, not excusable, but it's certainly a different, um, reason. And, um, so when I approached this, this book and, and a novel I'm currently working on right now, you know, obviously we are taught, as women to sort of not be violent, you know, we're, we're, we don't inherently perhaps have the same violent tendencies, but we still have anger. We still have rage. We still, you know, maybe have that moment of thinking about hurting someone, you know, that's, that's human. Um, and so these are all things that I like to explore in, in my writing. And I don't want, I don't want my women to be perfect. I want them to be complicated and interesting and, um, flawed and all of those things, um, because that's what I am and that's what everyone is. So, um, that's what I try to explore, I guess. That's what I was going to say. I was going to, I feel like I appreciate that. I long, I mean, along with other things, but probably the most is that these aren't like picturesque women because all of us are so like flawed and just comp like we're just, women are complicated. Like I'm not even going to lie. And that's okay. I like yeah. being complicated and people can't figure me out, you know, especially my yeah. husband. I'm like, your job <laughs> is to figure me out. I know me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so it's nice. Cause it's like, it's a, I feel like for me, it really draws me in more to the stories because I feel like, you know, okay. I'm not, a, okay. I'm not a serial killer. So don't take it that way. But I feel like it's like a part of me, you know, like, exactly. I guess it's, that's like buried mm-hmm. down deep, you know, like, oh, Amy's on a radio, like rampage or whatever. But I feel like it's like a part of, of all women can be this way and can be violent and complicated and flawed. Cause that's just how we are. But I think it's, I don't know. It's so like relatable that I can almost put myself in their shoes and be like, you know, this is something I could totally see myself doing, you know, like, I don't know. That's just me. Maybe if I, you know, I had, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, 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 and you're not alone. I think that all women, you know, in my first um, short story collection, I, I wrote a story about a, a woman who abandons her children. And that's awful and horrible. Um, but it's also something that has flashed across every mother's mind where she's like, what if I just got in the car and drove away and yeah. drove <laughs> down to the beach, right? Um, so, and that's okay, you know, and it's okay, like, to obviously I'm writing extreme situations, but, um, yeah, I, I love, you know, taking a complicated woman and sort of throwing her in this really, um, extreme situation and seeing if she, you know, she swims or, or drowns. And, um, and so getting to do it 13 more times for this, uh, this short story collection was fun. And I, I absolutely just adore writing short stories. Um, they are kind of, very important and, and personal to me. Yeah, I really liked one of my favorite ones in this new collection is the one where she discovers she really has power and um, that her anger has power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, because, because we do. And I think that's a beautiful commentary on how often as women we control our anger 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's inside us and we just don't let it out. And I love that this protagonist and this one story, you know, is dealing with that. Like she, she has the anger and, but it does manifest. It does. Yes. And, and she's not sure what to do about that, you know, and right. it's, it's a great exploration of like, you know, what happens to us as women when all of a sudden, you know, maybe there's that moment where, you know, we let the anger out. Right. How yeah. do we manage that? And is it bad? Is it good? Like what, mm-hmm. how, you know, wait a minute, is this a horrible nightmare or is this, it's, uh, uh, am I like, is this my superpower? Like, you know, it's yeah. So I, I, thanks. I really, I enjoyed writing that story. And, um, and also something I really enjoyed doing in this collection is like experimenting with form as well. Like, um, I did a pistolary story, or, you know, letters, um, that's something, you know, Mary Shelley did with Frankenstein. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to try it in a short story. So, um, short stories, again, they like kind of lend themselves to experimenting. And I love that too. So very cool. So, you know, you've got these books, we know you've got this, the next science, uh, of mm-hmm. coming, you talked about, you're working on another story. What can, what more yeah. can we expect from you, my friend? I mean, you're oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, um, let's see. Yeah, I'm working on um, a novel um, and that is about a, I don't want to give too much away, but it's about a woman who is fixated on serial killers and um, she might end up kind of stumbling across one. Um, And and then also um, I've been doing a lot of screenwriting and um, I a show that um, uh, my friend that I write my science books with, uh, we co-wrote a script and that was a selection recently um, at a a TV Catalyst Festival. Um, And so that's really exciting. And we've been working in, you know, slowly kind of working in the TV realm. We have a couple other TV shows that um, are under development right now. And um, so that's been really exciting. So I'm like kind of writing in all these different aspects. And I love screenwriting and nonfiction writing and fiction writing. And and we've got our um, Facebook party coming up on next Tuesday yes. to celebrate the short story collection. So I'm very excited about that. Oh, now, who doesn't love a good Facebook party, book launch party? I mean, <laughs> you know we do. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> It is always a great time. Absolutely. Sandy, hey girl. Oh, hi. <laughs> hey, Sandy. What, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> you just joined us on this beautiful Monday morning with Meg Hathgall on Author Talk. Oh, it's when you're recording it for her. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I was just going to be early for a meeting with you two. So, <laughs> well, what a nice surprise! I'm sorry you seeing me with my beach look because I have not put on makeup since I got to the beach. Oh, <laughs> fabulous! That's what you do at the beach. You ain't got to put yeah. on makeup. You let your hair down. You're just like, oh yes, it's lovely, well, yeah. absolutely lovely. Do anything with your hair because I even have a bobby pin here. Because the minute I walk out the door, my hair is going in all directions from the wind. There's always wind. <laughs> absolutely. Well, we were just talking about Meg's book launch party, which is coming up on the 26th, I believe. And so we were just wrapping up with that. But I, it's always a good time. With Meg, Bird, me, and Sandy on a book launch anytime. Yes, that is. 
wait, Meg. I can't wait for your book launch party. Thank you. Yes, it is going to be fantastic. So Meg, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us. It is always, I mean, you are welcome any October, okay? Like I said, October <laughs> is Meg Hofdahl month. Absolutely. Yes. But I'm looking forward to your book, your nonfiction book that comes out tomorrow on the 19th. And then, you know, your book three and the Twisted Reveries, which comes out on the 26th. It is available for pre-order. But you guys, we hope you have a fantastic week. We cannot wait to see you guys next week. Meg, thanks so much for coming. Thank and you. Fern, you guys are awesome. Sandy. Your hair looks awesome. I love it. Oh, yes. and you know what? I can't wait to see what this uh, nonfiction book does for your fiction books. I think that's going to be a, a huge telling uh, that we can you. use with other authors. Hey, write your nonfiction book to promote your fiction book. So. That's right. Good job. Until next Monday, you guys, this has been an author talk, and we will catch you all next Monday. Bye, everyone.